Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing. Projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Punkcast. Today, please welcome Punk7634. He's a four Addy with a front beard, fedora, earring, and cool big shades. He's a punk maxi and builder of foreverpunks.com, a community-owned marketplace. Please welcome Forever Punks to the show. Forever Punk. Hey, how are you? GM, GM, thanks for having me on the podcast. Super excited. I've been a fan for a long time. I listened to a lot of episodes. Uh, so I'm super excited to be on, Maxwell. Thanks for having me. Likewise, man. I think we've been conversing uh, for quite some time now, just about punks and uh, liking and retweeting each other's tweets. So it's been a fun sort of last six months getting to know you and uh, sort of see you've been deeply entwined in the punk sort of space, heading to some NFT sort of meetups with them as well. So I'd love to get, you know, your views and your experience within the punk community so far. But um, maybe we can start with a soft question. How and why did you come up with the name Forever Punk? It's a very good question. Very good question. I mean, I got into punks uh, early 2021 and my first punk purchase basically changed my life. And uh, once you're in punks, you know that you'll always be a punk. And that was definitely the case for me. And so for the past, let's say two years, I've been on the search for my forever punk. Uh, last December, I found it, which is punks7634. But that's where the name came from. And that's where the name of the platform I'm building came from. Nice story. When you say life-changing for you, what does that mean? Well. It has many kind of levels to it, definitely the financial level, but also kind of, you know, you spend your whole day thinking about this stuff, NFTs, punks, <laughs> you know, you ask my girlfriend, she thinks I'm crazy. Like first thing uh, I think of when I wake up in the morning is punks, NFTs. The last thing when I uh, think of before falling to sleep is also punks, also NFTs. My girlfriend's not really happy with that. She wants me to think more about her, but you know, that's that's what I mean by life changing. I, th- I think we're in the same boat. I can totally relate to that. Man, and, and just where are you calling from as well? Like uh, where are you sort of based? Yeah, so currently I am in uh, Budapest, but uh, I am based wherever my laptop is. So I am uh, kind of European as such. I'll be flying back to Spain tomorrow. And I was in France two weeks ago. So I'm all around Europe, really. Amazing. And does that mean you can speak multiple languages as well? Yeah, I speak uh, five languages, actually. I am uh, half Hungarian, half French. Uh, So I speak Hungarian, French, English, German, and Spanish. Wow, that's crazy. That's insane. Well, mate, great to have you on the show. Looking forward to sort of unpacking your punk story. Maybe we can first start off with everything leading up pre-NFTs and punks and into your background, like what did you grow up doing? What did you study? And how did you sort of find your way across into the NFT space? So yeah, I mean, during my childhood, as I mentioned, I lived in uh, five different countries and that really teaches you how to uh, feel comfortable outside your comfort zone. And that's kind of super relevant for uh, the crypto market uh, of these days. Um, 
I ended up studying uh, mathematics in London uh, in Imperial College, and that was uh, kind of super useful to get this uh, problem-solving uh, way of thinking uh, kind of going. And out of uni, my first job uh, was at Uber. Uh, I was part of Uber in the early days. I was a data data analyst. And I uh, loved that, uh, did that until we got banned by the, the government in Hungary. That's where I was based. And that's when I kind of realized, you know, that, uh, you know, the central authorities can actually, you know, control stuff and ban stuff. And that was about 2016-ish uh, when Bitcoin and cryptos uh, kind of creeped up on my radar. And then I started going down the, the crypto rabbit hole and then it was already 2017 and I did all the, the ICOs, all the shit coining. And that was my start basically in, in crypto. So Imperial College, man, you must be like a genius. <laughs> I wish. I wish I was the worst in class over there. So <laughs> actually, who was uh, there? Was another punk that it was actually NFT Stats. I don't know if you've met him before. Yeah. So we chat with NFT Stats. He was also at Uber. That's right. Yeah. So yet to get a call with him, so uh, I'll maybe ping him after the after this call. Nice. So so you went into the crypto and NFT game in 2017. Did you go through all the ICO? boom and craze back then or were you just sort of buying bitcoin and, and eth i did all the ico stuff yes mainly bitcoin and eth later on but but yeah then i thought i was the best investor in the world we all did and then uh, 2018 came along and we got uh, wrecked as one would say and then in 2018 2019 a good friend of mine uh, philippe who by the way is uh, kind of my partner here for forever punks uh, we're working on it together now he uh, told me to read this book called the bitcoin standard and so i read it uh, twice actually and i really kind of got to understand the value proposition of you know bitcoin this digital gold narrative and you know during the the bear market i was uh, somewhat of a bitcoin maxi uh, putting all my um, paychecks aside into Bitcoin. So that was, that was nice. And then uh, along came uh, COVID and then the run-up of, uh, you know, 2021. And then, you know, NFT started. So being a Bitcoin maxi, what was the transition into ETH like? Was it easy for you or is there like a lot of mental resistance? For you to well, do well, when you're a Bitcoin maxi, kind of everything other than Bitcoin is kind of a shit coin. So even when I was buying ETH back in uh, 2017, I didn't really know what it was. For me, it's just some other coin. But then, you know, you had this DeFi summer thing, then the NFTs started, and then you kind of see an application that is kind of interesting and that has this maybe staying power. Uh, then I got into crypto Twitter. You're following really smart, influential people. Uh, you know, they kind of understand the value prop of ETH. And then you know, I, I followed that and... I bought into that. So, so, so yeah, it was not that hard as, as one might think. Nice. And so, okay, talk to us about your first foray into NFTs. Like, how did you discover NFTs? What was your first NFT? Um, as a kid, I played a lot of, lot of Pokemon. Game Boy, uh, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Blue, all that kind of stuff. You know, this thing of owning something that's digital kind of really resonated to me as a kid. You know, I would train my Pikachu and then I would have to give it to my brother and then he would train it and then he would kind of do stuff that I would want to do. You know, like this, this digital asset that you would own and improve. And uh, early 2021, got it, got into it through the Beeple sale, the $69 million Beeple sale. I was listening to a podcast where Beeple was on and then I kind of looked into it. And the buyer of the Beeple was this guy called Meta Coven, 
who was very deep into Decentraland. And uh, so I hopped into Decentraland and I was like, man, this is so amazing. It's very similar to, I guess, Pokemon with the sole difference that you can own these pieces of land inside Decentraland. And that like, you know, clicked. And then I was like, okay, uh, fuck it. I'm gonna, you know, spend a significant amount of money on a piece of land. So I bought my first NFT, which was um, a land in Decentraland. And so I remember when I uh, then afterwards had like a dinner with a couple of normie friends, I told them that, you know, guys, I bought this, this piece of land and I'm going to kind of organize a birthday party on it. And you can tune in kind of virtually and I'll have a virtual <laughs> DJ and stuff. Max, they were looking at me and they were like, what the fuck is he on about? Um, and then at the end, I didn't, I didn't dare telling them the price I paid for it because I thought they would never hang out with me again. <laughs> but it turned out, it turned out that I overpaid for that land by a significant amount. And that's what got me like super curious into, into kind of NFTs. And then all this little dynamic around kind of buying, selling, I, I saw that there were like traders emerging. I saw that there were collectors emerging and I myself got into, uh, you know, flipping, trading NFTs. Nice. And I mean, just a side note then, what's your view on... I guess those metaverse plays at the moment, like Decentraland, Sandbox, I think Somnium Space, like where's your current sentiment at? Yeah, that's a good question. Very good question. I currently hold uh, no virtual land. I still quite cannot uh, see the value prop of it. Like I bought Decentraland because I thought the idea was cool, but then, you know, a couple of days later when I like actually went in there, and I walked around it, it was like super empty. No one was there. So uh, I was like, okay, this is nowhere near like Pokemon or RuneScape or that kind of stuff. There's, there's no one here. So uh, maybe on the long run, you know, when you have these worlds with a lot of, lot of uh, users and players in it, there can be value to that kind of stuff. But currently uh, it's super slow, kind of clunky, buggy. So it's, it's, it's somewhat of a hype at the moment, I would say. I think I'm probably in the same boat. I, I just sort of feel like, there's a lot of friction to get into a lot of these virtual spaces, right? Putting on VR headsets and, or even like just even onboarding and going in there, right? Uh, I think Decentraland was pretty slow every single time I've used it. Whereas I think, you know, you could probably argue that we already live in the metaverse in some ways using Twitter and, and Discord and, and the like, and there's less friction for that, right? So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of bets on, on metaverse and gaming for sure. So it'd be interesting to sort of see where that one goes. But um, okay, so then you got into the metaverse land. How did you find your way into CryptoPunks, man? Like, how did you hear about it? How did you learn about it? And then what was your sort of process and journey into, into buying your first CryptoPunk? Yeah, uh, I love that question. Um... So the way it happened is uh, when the $69 Beeple sale happened, uh, you know, everyone was still in Clubhouse. And I was listening to a Clubhouse uh, where people, I think, was talking or something. I don't know, MetaCovin was talking. And within the same week, there was a really big CryptoPunk sale that happened, which was Perugia. So the alien sale happened, and that caught my attention. So Dylan Field was in that clubhouse kind of giving a discourse how he was attached to his alien CryptoPunk and how a week ago he sold it for, I think it was $7 million to this anonymous buyer, Perugia. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, Perugia came out with this legendary Twitter thread, which he still has uh, on his Twitter to this very day. And I read it through and I was just like, holy fuck, this is amazing. And, uh, you know, at the end, Perugia is a reference to Vincenzo Perugia, this guy who stole the Mona Lisa back in the days. 
And the thread concludes uh, saying that, you know, this purchase for $7 million with hindsight in the future will be like a steal of the digital Mona Lisa. And that was like amazing for me, fascinating story. And uh, what I noticed on uh, crypto Twitter in those days, and even today definitely, is that most of the smart people, influential people that know what they're talking about were rocking a crypto punk. You know, you had, you know, DC investor, G Money, Tycoon, Dylan Field, Perugia. They were rocking this punk and they just look so freaking cool. And I loved it. And I, I just needed to get one. So, you know, I decided uh, back then uh, that, fuck it, I'm still young. I don't have kids. I don't have huge responsibilities. Why don't I just buy this JPEG, invest in the JPEG? And that's when I bought my uh, first crypto bar. So what was what was that first crypto punk you know and how were you sort of looking through traits at that time like how did you pick that the very first one for you it's a good question and uh after some time in crypto punks i realized that there's essentially uh two types of crypto punks maybe call one a forward crypto punk uh, that you know one would just trade as a token and then let's say the forever punks right that people really take as a punk that they would make their profile, their, their their digital brand. And, you know, back then I just wanted a punk and become part of the community. I bought one and I didn't, you know, I was not open about it. Until this day, I am not. It was just, you know, a punk. And I was part of it. And then I started following it and, you know, I, I got to uh, see how the price action went up and then Visa happened, the Visa it's punk crazy. happened. And then that was, that was crazy, I remember. Um, and so, yeah, and then a year later, I started working on, uh, this, this platform that I'm working on now forever punks, which is essentially a platform to help people find, uh, their forever punk. We'll get onto that in a moment, but like, so when was your first entry into crypto punks? Like, and what price did you get in it? I think the floor was, was around 15 to 20 ETH back then. And, and it was for first half of, of 2021. Yeah. Something like that. Pre-visa, pre-visa prompt. Yeah, pre, but like springish or something like that. Yeah. I'd have to check. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. So you you bought that and then did you have it when you kicked off Forever Punks? So when did you start Forever Punks? How long has that been around? So Forever Punks, I started last summer. So in August. And yeah, so, so the one I'm rocking currently, I got just before Christmas this December. So why don't you talk us through that? What was the inspiration for building Forever Punks uh, last August? Sure. Um, so you have the Larva Labs website, right? That, uh, you know, as punk holders, we go to two, three times a day, at least. Very often the first thing you check when you work up, woke up in the morning. And uh, I, I personally felt that there were uh, features missing, many features missing. So I just wanted to add a couple of features that I thought uh, would be useful. The first one being the, um, the filtering by uh, skin tone. So, you know, I'm, I'm a developer myself now, and it took me two days to put something together. I shared it on Twitter and, uh, you know, I got some good traction. Uh, some people uh, liked it and told me to, you know, maybe add some other kind of filters. So, um, so I built out like a pretty advanced uh, filtering system there. And that was kind of the first kind of feature set in there that didn't exist on the main website. And then the next thing I wanted to is a way to find good deals. You know, because you go on this uh, Larva Labs website and you have just so many punks listed and you don't really know immediately, instantly, what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. So to my website, I added price estimations and an, the ability to like sort 
by, by pricing. So with one click, essentially you can sort from best to worst deal. So that's another feature we did. And the third thing that I kind of added uh, last year was Twitter profiled and background stories. Because what makes a CryptoPunks so different from, let's say, any other let's say, NFT collection or most other NFT collection is the community and the holder base. You know, like everyone wants to be a punk because they want to be part of this really amazing set of people that were, you know, early into NFTs, early into crypto. And it's kind of like telling their story. And essentially that's what you're doing, Mac Maxwell, is like bringing these stories forward, uh, I, I felt was, was also needed. So I attached uh, Twitter profiles to, to the punks that I could identify. And I have a link also to their backstory. So for example, if you go on to Perugia's uh, profile, you have a link to his uh, Twitter thread. If you'll go up to that, my profile, I'll probably link back to this interview so that people can, you know, learn more about me or a link to your interview. So, so things like that. No, it's really cool, man. Cause, um, depending on who you speak to. And I know I've spoken to uh, Robbie, who's another punk who's, who's been around for a while. He, he's also the creator of Rap Punks, actually. I should get him on the show. Um, but when you speak to him, he talks about the original CryptoPunks website as part of the body of work and artwork. And so in some ways, you can't really tweak or modify you know, the existing sort of website with CryptoPunks, even if you wanted to, right? Because it's sort of less like a finished product. The contract is also contains elements of the marketplace. Everything that you sort of see, look, feel, and touch on there, you really just don't want to touch, right? Because it's a, it's a finished sort of piece. And so it's kind of nice that you're sort of doing this because I'm with you that, you know, you, when you want to look for CryptoPunks, it's kind of cool to look for different trades. I mean, skin tone and all those other bits and pieces. I think the additional feature that you've added by looking up profiles of punks adds to the story and provenance as well. And very similar to what I'm sort of doing as well. And maybe we can have a bit of a chat about this offline, but but I love where you're sort of going with this. And I think there's one other thing that I really love about it is that you've you've got dark mode. Um, oh, yeah. Um, you know, the OG sort of punks website was a white mode. I think it was hurting my uh, albino eyes. So yeah, good good work with that. I mean, the dark mode came from the fact that, you know, when I check it, it's early morning and late at night and that the bright white just, you know, kills your eyes. So that's why we added dark mode and then many people wanted dark mode. So we did that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if you've got a feature for it yet, but how would you deal with all the transactions that are happening on, say, Blur and OpenSea for the rap punks? Because I'm presuming that you won't be able to pick up those flaws and... That's a very, very, very good question. And I was speaking with my developer literally yesterday about this topic. So what we'll be doing fairly soon is essentially aggregating listings, right? Because now if you look at it, you have the wrapped punks on Blur, and then you have the normal CryptoPunk listings on the Larva Labs website. And currently there's no place where you just go and you see everything listed. So uh, we're working now on a feature where you'll just be able to uh, get an overview of everything in one place. And that's going to be uh, on our platform. That, that's super cool. And what do you sort of envisage for Forever Punks next? Like, what do you want to take that? This is, I guess, the main, main question that I really kind of want to talk through because we have uh, interesting things in the pipeline that we're, we'll be announcing soon. For me, the main thing that has been missing from CryptoPunks, the CryptoPunks marketplace since its existence has been a proper bidding, right? So bidding for punks is currently broken. You know, if, if you bid on a punk, you can only bid on one punk at a time. If you bid on a punk, you have to lock up your ETH 
Many times, if, you're, if your punk bid gets accepted, there's a chance you'll be front run. And there's no real way of doing collection and trade bidding for punks. And the reason for that is, is because crypto punks are not ERC721 tokens like, you know, all the other NFTs like, say, Bored Apes. A couple of months ago, I reached out to my, my good friend and very good smart contract developer, Philippe. And I told him, Philippe, listen, would there be a way how we could add collection and trade bidding to forever punks? And uh, so he was intrigued by it. He understood the value prop. And many, most punks that I speak to understand that this is a problem that needs fixing. And he looked into it. And uh, firstly, he looked into how a wrapped punk solution would look like, right? So using wrapped punks to make the bidding. So what he found was firstly with wrapped punks, you couldn't really do bidding on different traits. And also like to sell a wrapped punk, it would be like a six or seven signature like transaction thing. So, so we didn't go that route and we ended up implementing a solution that is very clean, a two transaction uh, like bid acceptance process and that uses directly the... Um, the, the original CryptoPunks contract. Oh, wow. And uh, so this is a feature we'll be rolling out in the coming weeks. And so essentially, Forever Punks will now become somewhat of a marketplace where people can bid on CryptoPunks. They can do collection bids. They can do trade bids. They can essentially combine any like subset of punks and we'll be able to make bids on that without having to wrap the punk at all, right? Without having to wrap their punks, because note that if you wrap your punk, your punk leaves your wallet, right? It no longer is in the Maxwell wallet, is in, it is in the kind of aggregated wrapped punks wallet, right? And so for provenance, that's really ugly. I'd say, you know, if you look at like the provenance of wrapped punks, it's all this kind of uh, transfers. Whereas with this solution, it will be like very, very clean and province will be nice. And essentially the, the swap for the CryptoPunk and the ETH will happen in one transaction, all atomically in one transaction. And so, and so, and so we decided that, okay, this is something that does not yet exist in the market. How shall we like bring this to market that resonates with, let's say, uh, the community? And we decided that you know, we're going to try something that has not really been tried before. And we want to turn uh, Forever Punks into a fully uh, community-owned and governed punks marketplace, okay? And so what we're going to do is we will have an NFT drop of 1,000 passes, okay? And the revenue that is generated through this marketplace will be split and it will go back straight to those thousand NFT holders. So if you own one of these passes, you will essentially own a piece of the revenue of the market, of this marketplace. And you will also be able to participate in like governance of the marketplace. So if you want, let's say like a feature to be developed, you will be able to propose a proposal and then we'll have some sort of voting uh, system in place. And if you want, I don't know, some sort of configuration changes in the platform, like, for example, increase or decrease the fee of the platform, that's also going to be a proposal. And what we're thinking here is really to involve as many punks as possible, like the whole punk community, because it's it's something that we, we believe that 
you know, as a community, we need something like this. And I was in Paris last week. The sense of punk's community was really strong. And this is where what we kind of want to tap into and, and, and get going. So, so a few questions, like as I'm sort of listening to you. So in terms of the marketplace, are you looking to add a transaction fee for, for the marketplace? Yeah. So currently on the Libra Labs websites, it's 0% transaction fee, right? So for traditional buy and sells, there will be 0% transaction fee because that's currently what is you know on the main Libra Labs website. But for accepted bids, which doesn't exist yet, we think that let's say a 0.5% transaction fee is totally feasible. You know, especially if someone is going in there to buy their forever punk, a punk that they're holding for, you know, the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years, uh, having a transaction fee, uh, you know, is, is feasible, is, 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 not, is not a bad thing. And uh, especially if the revenue that comes in through this transaction fee can be split with these pass holders, with the community, I think it, it can be a very interesting thing. And the pass holders, so there's a thousand passes. Are you looking to sort of sell them on primary as well? And how does that sort of all work? So, so we haven't fully figured out the tokenomics yet, but the idea would be we would have a percentage for the community, like directly on uh, you know primary sale. We'd reserve a percentage for like market makers and liquidity providers, and then a small percentage for the core team to kind of keep the incentive to to work on it. So that's that's kind of what we're working on and figuring out at the moment. Cool. Um, well, look forward to, uh, I guess, when it drops and how it sort of progresses, man. Sounds like an interesting project. Maybe for someone like Punks OTC that sort of flips and trades and gets in and out of positions quite a lot as well. And obviously people that are looking for, you know, using that to, to buy their forever punk, uh, they could sort of leave a bid that might bite, may may not bite, might be worth it for them as well. So um, uh, cool. Yeah. And, and, and especially with this solution, like the playing field will be leveled. You know, like currently, like the market is dominated by bots, you know, a lot of flash bots, they, you know, buy the punk that gets listed immediately. So like, let's say the casual uh, punk bidders are, they don't have much to do in the current market, but the introduction of WETH bidding means that you can essentially have hundred WETH that bids across all crypto punks, right? So you don't have to lock up your WETH. So you could, as you said, casually leave up a couple of bids. And, you know, if the seller accepts it, then you, you know, you get your punk. And with this solution, there's no more front running possible. So that's, it's definitely something we, we kind of want to, you know, bring to market. We're talking to a lot of punks, uh, you know, a lot of market makers, liquidity providers. And I think it's going to be something very interesting in the coming, you know, weeks and months. Cool. Well, yeah, looking forward to um, hearing more when you, you guys sort of drop it. How, how far do you think you're out away from, away from launching, you think? So, I mean, the tech is ready. We're currently going through audits and code reviews. We have a couple of, uh, you know, famous developers looking at the code. We're setting up some of the legal stuff, but, you know, announcement. I mean, I don't know when this podcast will air, but I'll be announcing on my Twitter, uh, you know, in the coming days. And then the actual NFT drop will be, uh, you know, even within uh, probably early April or maybe end of March. So let's see. Cool. Mate, so then let's talk about your current punk, 7634, front beard, fedora, earring, and cool big shades. What was your purchasing journey towards this punk? Like he's definitely a noticeable and definitely not a floor punk. He looks pretty cool with the, the big the big glasses and the fedora. What was your 
thinking about uh, buying him uh, as you're sort of searching for traits in your forever punk? Yeah, uh, when I went, a couple of weeks ago when I published this, I wrote a very cool thread about how I picked this specific one. And the argument over there was that I wanted a punk around which I could kind of build a brand, a personal brand. And uh, I wanted to pick a punk that is kind of the main trait combo was not yet taken by any other like famous punk. A couple of examples would be, you know, the tassel hat would be taken by Norwo, for example, or the tiara by Fubar, or, uh, you know, the knitted cap by Maxwell and so many others. And spending so much time on crypto Twitter, you know, I noticed that there's no Fedora Big Shades punk yet that is pr prominent on crypto Twitter. And so when I saw this, I was like, okay, this is, uh, you know, a super cool looking punk. I love uh, the book Shades because, you know, it's this uh, pink color with like three different tones of pink. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Chuli, she, uh, she's, you know, very known for her uh, big shades. Uh, so I kind of felt aligned with that. Also kind of uh, the Forever Punk Punk's brand is, uh, you know, pink. And so kind of that ties in with the branding color. And, you know, like the little cool earring is this very kind of a subtle touch, but it definitely gives this nice tone uh, tone to it. So, uh, so yeah, th that's the one I went with and I'm uh, super happy with it and looking forward to, uh, you know, build, that, build out the, the personal brand and be as active as I can uh, in NFT Twitter. Oh, it definitely uh, stands out for sure. And uh, I think you are starting to make that an iconic brand of yours. So uh, well done, well done on the purchase. And um, if money wasn't an issue, what would be your dream punk? <laughs> Love this question. Probably one of my favorite punks is Punk 9400. So uh, for those li listening that cannot pull it up, it's a blonde wild hair punk with a VR headset, a pink lipstick, and a pipe. And I think that's a very kind of unique punk because the pipe represents this notion of the past, whereas the VR headset stands for, let's say, the future. And, you know, stuck in between these two, you have this a crazy blonde hair lady. And the combination of all this, for me, is just so amazing and perfect and, you know, I'd love to maybe one day uh, own that punk. I knew the previous owner of that punk. He told me he would never sell it, but he ended up like uh, selling it for 300 ETH. I don't know who the new new buyer is. Crazy. But but that that's Crazy. such a beautiful punk to me. She's uh, pretty dope. And it sounded like that you had this answer ready to go. Uh, you knew exactly which punk to go for. <laughs> maybe not prepared for this podcast, but you, you that's knew. that's a common question that I just like, you know, this is the punk. How, how about yours, Maxwell? Because like, you know, you always ask about us, well, what's, what's your kind of dream punk if money was not an issue? Good question. I got a thing for hoodies and I don't know, there's just something menacing and dark about them uh, that I really love. But I, th I think if I'm honest, I sort of feel like I've just grown into my current punk with the orange knitted cap. And I think I'm really happy with 9527. You know, if money wasn't an issue, I mean, I could buy them, collect them, but I probably wouldn't feel the same level of connection just because I've just built a brand around my existing punk, right? So it just wouldn't be the same, if that makes sense. And so as cheesy as it might sound, 9527 probably is my dream punk. Um, but if, you, if I had to choose another one, it'd probably be 
hoodie punk. The one, the one that I actually love the aesthetics of is that ape hoodie that uh, Seed Phrase just sold. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a really, really cool uh, looking punk. So maybe that one. But that's just like flex on flex, right? So maybe another world. And for you, like, how, how do you sort of see punks? Are punks art for you? I mean, punks are definitely art for me. You know, I am like mega obsessed about the traits. I've been going through all the traits in and out for the past two years. But also they're like very kind of, you know, distinguishable on Twitter as a profile picture. You know, they inspired a whole set of, you know, PFPs, if not all of them. Uh, I've had a lot of calls with Mora these days. You know, I love that guy and what he's doing for punks is so good. He said that, you know, for him, he's treating arts like uh, a dead artist's estate. And, uh, you know, we had the announcement with the Centre Pompidou in France. There's some big museums kind of in America that are like going to have punks. And um, I definitely, it's it's like a collection that started off a movement and that's that stands for something. And that's why I think like so many people, they, you know, their, their goal is to get a punk. Yeah. I, I sort of get the sense of many people that are in the space, they're flipping up with the hope of trying to attain a punk one day. But I don't know, that's what I was doing for sure when I first started out. Um, that's what I can see. Yeah, yeah. You see many many threads these days that come out that, oh, bought my first crypto punk. It has been my NFT goal. I've, and here's my journey, how I flipped my way up to a punk. And I love those threads and I always like retweet them. Same. And in this bear market, are you, do you have your eye on any collections? Are you buying, net buying or net selling? Like, are you sort of interested in anything at the moment? So at the moment, these days, I'm not very much of a trader. I'm very much of a hodler. I mean, so most of my stuff are not in NFTs. They're mostly in like just Bitcoin and, and ETH. So I'm just currently like uh, holding through this market, trying to build. You know, for me, a bear market is about building. Uh, we want to build something really cool with forever punks that when the next bull run kicks in, uh, will be used by a lot of, lot of people. So I'm, I'm more on the builder side of things uh, now. Like uh, like most of the punks, which I find really cool, everyone's just building and trying to create something new. And if you look back across your, I guess, your NFT career to date, is there any wins or losses worth talking about? Uh, maybe I start with the losses uh, because the one that comes like straight to mind is uh, the motherfuckers. Uh, man, I got so wrecked on those. Like I bought so much into the Sartorshi vision. I, I, that was the other collection which, with, with which I vibed so much. And if you pull up the motherfuckers chart, you will see this peak at six ETH and you can say, okay, that's where I bought all my bags. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I bought the, the top of the, the emperors and then Sartoshi rubbed us all, which, you know, good on him. He, he was, he was a brilliant trader, brilliant, brilliant community, uh, guy. Uh, I think he's back now, but it's not the same anymore. Uh, but that. I guess financially was the biggest loss. Biggest win, I mean, maybe not one particular win, but early days OpenSea, there were so many opportunities. Like the market was just very, very, very inefficient. And, uh, you know, you could just write simple bots, simple scripts to kind of arbitrate some of these punks, uh, no, sorry, not punks, uh, some of these NFTs. And I was doing that quite a bit, uh, you know, just, just flipping uh, JPEGs, uh, accumulating ETH. So, so that was a, a very nice period nice. in 2021. So, so I would say that that was more the 
the best best gains on me. And when you look across the punk community, do you have a favorite punk personality? Maxwell, I knew you would ask me this question. And uh, this is, I think, the hardest question to answer because there are so many punks that, uh, you know, I just love and look up, look up on to. Uh, I, I don't think I could pick one, but I met so many uh, punks in person, uh, like just great friends, like let's say Chuli or Phantom Scribbler or VR Punk. These are guys I spent my 30th birthday with last year. So, uh, you know, they're like very close to me these days. But also you have like a couple of very well-known punks that whenever I DM to hop on a call, they always have their calendar free for me. I'm thinking of, you know, guys like Tony Herrera or Valco or Metanomadic. Who else is there? Parcival or even even Noah. You know, he's just so open to a call anytime. And it's just, I, I came up with this, I came up with this quote in London that uh, owning a punk is like a shortcut to friendship. And uh, it was a funny story. I, I was talking to one of the, uh, the very famous punks. We, we grabbed the call our first time on a call. And I was telling him I would be traveling to Asia uh, maybe this summer. And it turned out I would travel to the same country where he would be, but he's leaving two months earlier. And he's like, you know, bro, I have this place rented for the next two months. Why don't I just give it to you for free and you can stay at that place? Just we're punks, we're buddies. And it's the first time I was talking to him. And it's the real feeling that this, this punk community is like very strong and it's this shortcut to friendship if you, if you own a punk. Absolutely. It just cuts through all the noise, right? In some ways it's like, well, they have to have a certain intellect to really buy a punk. <laughs> I think that's a big brain move. Anybody that buys a punk is a big brain move in my opinion. And uh, the other side too is in some ways that the high floor price keeps out a little bit of the riffraff right? And so I think it just creates sort of a nice sort of atmosphere. And look, I'm not really one for exclusivity, but in the instance of curating that community and avoiding some of that, I think it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. And over the past month, I mean, this floor has been like a stable coin, right? 65 ETH. It has not moved very much. Yeah. Rock solid. And now I've been speaking to a couple of bigger punks because I was like, okay, you know, you have this huge bid wall on blur. And I was like, you know, some some random punk well could just dump three hundred punk or hundred punks into this 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 wall, and everyone was like, you know, we don't think that punk wells are gonna do that because they're just not you know that type, and you know they they don't need this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had to describe punk culture in a few words, how would you describe that? I would say they're very self-driven and curious people. So I'm thinking specifically, they're the type of people that figure out things by themselves. You know, they found punks by themselves. They don't wait for kind of things to be brought to them. You know, they're the type of guys that were mining Bitcoin early days, that participated in the ETH ICO, that, I mean, of course, not all of them, but that figured out how to mint punks when there was not even a website, when it was just uh, like a shitty command line and stuff like that. So it's very much that type of uh, kind of mentality. And then this leads into kind of all this, like this builder mentality, you know? And, you know, meeting so many punks in person, I really feel that, that whether it's an artist, an investor, a builder, they're, they're very much self-driven and they don't wait for anyone or the, the permission of anyone to do stuff. Absolutely. I think that's well said. And I'm going to ask you a few questions now uh, that have been sort of contentious topics within the punk punk circles, but I'd love to get your your personal views on them. So the first one is, is what are your views on V1 punks? Love these contentious questions. If I were to summarize my views 
on V1 punks in two words, I would say bag bias. I, I have a feeling that if you're on V1 punks, you love them. If you don't, you feel threatened by them. It's true. It's part of history. You cannot argue with that. I personally do not own V1 punks, but I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. Cool. What about BTC slash ordinal punks? Uh, also a controversial topic. That one was more, I guess, a cash grab. But I guess what I would say is that, you know, when I say I have a punk, everyone knows what you mean. And if you have to like be more precise about that sentence, for example, I have a V1 punk or I have a BTC punk. For me, when it's, you have to add a word to describe it, it's a derivative, <laughs> right? If you say I have a punk, then we all know what that means. If you say I have a V1 punk, it's for me a derivative. If you say I have a B, it's, it's a derivative, like a funk, like it's just all derivatives. And we all know what the, the true original punk is, even though all the others have like their own narrative. And how do you feel about the Yuga acquisition? Not too bad, to be honest. When it broke, it felt weird at first, but then they announced, uh, you know, the, the rights. They gave back the rights to the punk holders, and I love that. So uh, I welcome that. I'm, you know, I know some guys at Yuga. I'm good friends with PP Man, Noah, Spicy Tina. They're great guys. I met Gargan in Paris uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's a really, guy, a really nice guy, and they just, you know, want the best for punks. So, uh, so yeah, I don't feel bad about it. I think they're treating it in the right way, in the sense that they don't do anything like aggressive with them. And the fact that Noah is in charge and treating them as like pieces of art is a great thing. And uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, neutral slash bullish, bullish on that. Cool. And if you could pass on a message. To the next owner of Punk Seven Six Three Four, what would you like to say to them? So yeah, uh, this is my forever Punk, uh, never selling. So most likely, it's gonna go on to my kids. So uh, I'd say, son, daughter, I love you. Uh, take good care of this Punk. Uh, please don't sell. Please don't sell. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice, nicely said. Um, forever Punk. This was uh, a fun conversation and it was really nice to finally catch up with you man and hope to sort of catch you in real life wish you all the best with forever punks and yeah i guess from your side any closing comments and you know how can people find you yeah thanks for the chat maxwell i really appreciate what you're doing with here honestly it is my number one favorite podcast i listen to nearly every episode and those that i haven't i still have to like catch up on them so please keep on doing it and you can find me on twitter at forever punks nft or you can straight go to the website forerpunks.com and you know we'll be announcing soon more information about this community uh, NFT drop that we're gonna do. Awesome. Thanks again, Forever Punks. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, that drop when it comes out. And guys, that wraps up another episode of Punkcast for the week. And we'll be back next week with another punk. Ciao for now. <laughs>